Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Dean here with you today with my pal Zach. What's up, everybody? We're good to good to be back with you all. All right. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Planted Expo, happening here in Vancouver, November twentieth and twenty first this year. A mere, you know, it's about what sixty or so days, a couple months away. We're coming up hot, getting up close. Ooh, I'm excited. It's going to be really good. So uh, this week's episode is on climate change. Uh, Dean and I kind of armchair, um, you know, our unprofessional thoughts on climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thinking about this expo, what a a positive place uh, for, these are basically all little climate, big big or little climate warriors in their own way, um, environmental warriors protecting the environment through their food choices, putting forward amazing plant-based options that are not only good for our bodies, they're good for the environment and the animals. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, walk walk the, the aisles of Planted and see all the many businesses that are, are change makers right here in BC. It's super cool. And there are a ton. There are a ton of partners whether it's like uh, food trucks or just the exhibitors. So many different um, people there that are all part of like this plant-powered kind of lifestyle. Um, So you can check it out. Go to plantedlife.com slash Vancouver and you can see all of the info as well as where to grab your tickets right online there for the Vancouver Planted Expo. Um, And it it's honestly like it's exhaustive the list there are so many exhibitors i'm looking from a down to eves y-v-e-s so yeah and it's all it's all so great because like you say it's you know we're talking about climate change it's obviously something that's big in the world in the news um and these are all ways through 
one bite at a time, really, you can make a difference. And so, yeah, make sure you check it out. We'll be there for sure. There's some other cool people there that you might want to check out. You may have heard of uh, some of them. John Lewis, Badass Vegan, Dr. Matthew Nagra, Friend of the Pod, and uh, Rich Roll himself. What a list. What a list. So it'll be really cool. Keynote speakers, tons of booths, tons of information. So be sure to check out plantedlife.com for all of the info. We'll see you there. Yeah. Kind of a rainy day today, which is a bit of a change. We've had this like insane stretch of hot and dry weather. And today it's like cool and kind of misty rainy out there. It's It's our favorite. We just went for... I know we always talk about running. You guys are going to get get sick, of, sick and tired of hearing about running, but we just went for a little misty run. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice, like a little cooler. And it's funny how like the rain comes out or the sun goes down and there's nobody outside. You get the trail to yourself. Yeah, it's good. It's like the dog the dog walkers and the runners are the people who are out there, right? Yes. In, in the rain. But yeah, it was, it almost, uh, well, I said to you kind of just halfway through, I was like, man, I can't. I don't think I can remember the last time I ran in the rain. Like it's been so long, which as a, as a Vancouver based runner, it's like, oh yeah, two, two times this week I went, I ran in the rain usually. Yeah. Even in the summer we can get these wet stretches, but it's been so dry that we needed it. Like we need, we need more rain than what's coming down. And we'll foreshadowing for the conversation we're about to have, but we've had record dry dryness, record heat. Yeah. Heat domes. Um, Like I didn't know a heat dome was a thing until this summer. Record forest fires. Yeah, yeah. So this rain is much needed, especially, you know, we live in a rainforest. Yeah, yeah, so, and you wouldn't have known it this summer, that's for sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll maybe a jam, well, we are going to jam on that a little bit later, talking about uh, climate, climate change, and some of these issues around our, yes. our planet and our neighborhoods and our communities. But uh, before, before we jump in with sh- that. Shout out to City of Richmond. <laughs> We saw these signs while we were running. What are, what are they using to get rid of the uh, some of the weeds here in Richmond? We saw we saw a sign like just just I don't know next to the farm next, next to, to the a farm next to us a, a walking a walking path that's used by dogs and children and people all the people in our community and they're spraying Roundup or like glyphosate blasting it which is. They're spraying for, for knotweed, which is an invasive plant species, which is problematic in and of itself. But I was so shocked when I saw Roundup. Like, I just feel like that's one of those things we can do better at. You know, like totally. it's Google Google Roundup, Glyphosate, Monsanto. Oh, man, it's terrible. Or, or uh, I mean, Zach, Zach Bush, right? Dr. Yes, Zach Bush. listen to that episode on Rich Roll. It's incredible. He talks about um, the effects of glyphosate on not only the planet, but on people. And it is, I mean, it's insane. And then the fact that Monsanto as a company actually doesn't exist anymore. Yes. Because they they basically sold themselves to Bayer in a way that like allowed them to get out of a huge, huge class action lawsuit. Billions of dollars. And the only reason why, they, they literally sold their company Monsanto for pennies on the dollar which a capitalistic mega corporation doesn't do unless they know they're trapped. So they sold themselves for penny on, pennies on the dollar to Bayer, who, who bought it for next to nothing. I mean, still way more money than most of us will ever see and anyone ever needs. But that just goes to show you that like they knew they were in the wrong 
and I don't know, it's hard not to see it as some crazy conspiracy, but then Bayer buys them and changes the name from Monsanto to something super, um, you know, pro-American sounding, Liberty Link. Like it sounds like you're doing something good for the country. Is that what they're called now, Liberty Link? Yeah, yeah. It's just insane. It's insane. So there's a whole, Zach Bush has a whole episode on Rituals Podcast. But yeah, it's simple, simple punch in like glyphosates or Monsanto side effects or, you know, pesticide and you'll, it's awful. Like we should not, we should not be using it anywhere. I was very surprised and like a little saddened. Especially next to farms and yeah. in the public parks where kids play. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you live in Richmond or you share the this concern, you know, feel free to shoot a little email to the city of Richmond and uh, give them the old thumbs down for uh, for blasting uh, the parks and and farm areas with with uh, glyphosate. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just feel like it's um, it's something that, like you said, we could just do better, right? There's other stuff out there that we can use and other ways to, to manage invasive species. Like, there, it's no sinister plan, right? They're not bad people doing it, but it may be, like, misinformed or it's just what they have and so yeah. they're going through stock, but I, I would really rather see something else. Yeah, I'm not assuming evil here or anything yeah. like that. I just yeah, think yeah. it's, like, a probably a lack of, um, you know... Do 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 process. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that was that was kind of uh, <laughs> that was something we saw today. I was like, what? Oh man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all part of it. All part of it. Uh, even as we talk more today about like solutions, right? Yes. Climate change is a huge thing, and sometimes the it feels like what could I do? And one of the things we want to we want to go over today is like some some real practical and simple solutions that we could we could do. And I mean, without spoiling it, like one of them is just being like a local kind of advocate, right? Not necessarily an activist, but an advocate for positive change in our community. So one is becoming aware of things like, oh, there's a a sign for spraying and then being like, well, I wonder what they're spraying. Why are they spraying, you know, in this area? What is it? Blah, blah, blah. And then seeing and knowing, oh, like Roundup and Glyphosate's like, that's not a good stuff. That's not good. Why would we choose that? And then having a conversation of just like leading with curiosity and, and hoping to instill change in our community. That's a real simple way that we can be advocates of change, like literally right in your own backyard. Yeah. So send an email, make a phone call. It doesn't have to be angry or entitled or, or anything like that. Like Dean said, it can come from a place of, of curiosity and inquiry and and you know, with that, with that hope of, of doing better um, and just showing like a community concern. Um, I think if we all do our part there and, you know, if, if the city, whatever city you're, you live in, and if you see things of concern, if enough if people put their hand up and, and say, you know, I'm not down with this, um, changes can happen. Um, usually, usually change starts. What's that famous quote? Like it's like small revolution always starts with like a, a a few concerned citizens or something like that. I'm, I'm totally butchering yeah. it, but <laughs> that's, the, that's the, that's the, the gist of it. I know the one, but I, I would have just butchered it the same way, but yes, start small to create big change. And really that's, that's often how it happens, right? Yeah. Whether it's someone like Mahatma Gandhi in the way that he, you know, revolutionized and changed the world and the people still read his books and, you know, watch documentaries about him. He was just one guy who did some pretty simple resistance things that like, spurred and inspired a generation of people really and and beyond so no action is too small exactly yeah but um 
that aside, anything good going on this week? What's what up before we jam on the the climate change? Uh, anything lighten you up this week? Yeah, well, I mean, I think definitely we had uh, we had a pretty fun fun uh, get together this week with uh, some friends of ours. Hey, what's happening, Doctor Drew? Got any, got any tea to spill? Nicklo from uh, from Myo Detox, one of one of Vancouver's premier physiotherapy destinations. Oof, it's good there. It's good. It's they, really good. And they're kind of they're they're like they're fun. They're good. They're amazing, amazing dudes, and like swaggy. They got cool T-shirts. Oh, Nick and the sneakers. <laughs> like if you're yeah, a, if you're shoes. a sneakerhead, man, you got nothing on Nick Lowe. He's dope. But um, yeah, we jammed with them a little bit on uh, something that we got in the works. How much tea do I spill? Oof. Something we got in the works for the spring. A little, uh, a little retreat, a little running, a little running retreat, if you Oof. will. So really excited Sounds about that. Fun. Yeah, it was cool partnering with, uh, with our pals at uh, Van Runco too. Ooh, I like them. They are great. If you're a runner and you're in Vancouver, make sure you check them out, Van Runco. Um, Rob Rob runs an awesome little shop there, and uh, great dude. Heart for the community, heart for running, uh, and just getting getting all all walks, all runs, all shapes, all sizes, all peoples into uh, into running. And so we want to we want to captivate some of that that beauty of all of those people and and do a little little run retreat. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's gonna be fun. But that that had me kind of kind of buzzing a little bit. Yeah, we're working on a little beta test. This first one's going to be the beta for a bigger picture. So mm-hmm. we'll keep you all in the loop. Yeah, if you listen to the episode with um, Jackie Kai Ellis that we did uh, Ooh, earlier. Teaser there. Yeah, there's, little, there's, little teaser. there's some nuggets in there of what's to come. She she kind of outlines this really cool run through. What's the name of that city? Um, uh, pa- Paris. 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 Oh, right. Yeah. She talks about a really nice running route in Paris. Man, it would be fun to take a whole bunch of people there and run. Oof. 2023. Spoiler. Uh, anyway. Heard anyway, it here first. Anyway. <laughs> so those are all the things. Just putting them out there into the universe. Jackie just got married too. Yes. That's right. Cheers to Jackie. Jackie. Congratulations, friend. Maybe this will be the beginning of her next book. Ooh. Yeah. We'll have to have her on again. I love we'll Jackie. I know. She's she's wonderful. So happy for her and yeah. her, her love. And uh, if you don't follow Jackie, follow her on Instagram. She just does. She's always doing the coolest stuff. Oh, she's yeah. got this cool collab with uh, Flax Home. Uh, we're, we're together with Flax Home, local company, good people. Unsponsored plug here. Yeah. Um, they, they just, uh, you know, make things with integrity, with the environment in mind. And uh, Jackie, bringing her aesthetic and, and, you know, cool X Factor to the table, created some real cool homewares with the Flax Home yeah. folks. So that's, check, check that out too. That's the thing. I was like, you just nailed it. Like, Jackie has the X Factor. Oof, she sure does. Yeah. She just yeah. walks into a room and she's like, she's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's got style and cool hair, style and grace. Yeah, and she's just loads of fun. If you haven't checked out the episode, I really encourage you to check it out. She, it's it's wonderful, one of our favorite conversations that we've had. Um, so be sure to jump back and listen to that one. And yeah, give her a follow on the gram and stuff because she's she's great. She is great. So yeah. should we should we jump in? Should let's, we turn let's the do corner? It. Talk about talk about climate change. So how do we get here? How? Good question. How, how did we get? How here? did we get here? As often, you know, we, we look at the current state of affairs and you wonder. What, what happened? But uh, what's what's the saying, right? A cow gets lost one bite of grass at a time, right? And uh, 
maybe that's part of our that's a fitting <laughs> a fitting analogy the cows and eating yeah. and all of that but uh, part of it i think is we both well we we found this quote you found this quote uh and it's it's really i think quite it quite encapsulates part of how we ended up in this state where we're talking about um, the, ter- the the really negative effects of climate change. And there's this quote uh, from Alice Waters uh, in We Are What We Eat. And she says, speed, speed is the engine of fast food culture, really is what we're living in. And this powers all other values. Speed says things should happen really fast. The faster, the better. You order it, you get it. You want it, you should have it. Hello, Amazon culture. But with speed, if there's not instant gratification, there's frustration. There's no maturity, no time for reflection, no patience. Our expectations become warped and we become easily distractible. We lose the sense that things take time, that the best things take time like growing food or cooking or learning a language or starting a business or getting to know someone for that matter. Time is money. And when time becomes money, so much becomes meaningless, including our work. So much truth there. That just hits different in the midst of like everything we've lived through. Alice Waters, we are what we drop in some serious some serious wisdom, but yes, I think part of what resonated there is, you know, that question of like, how do we end up, how do we end up in this kind of like climate crisis that we're in? And it, it really is a lot to do with the way we've set our whole society up to be this like fast food culture right? and without necessarily meaning the things that we're eating, although that has a huge part of it, but just this, this, this instant gratification life, right? Look, click. And then it's here at my doorstep like the next day and I, I haven't done anything really. Yes. And, and the, the cost of convenience really, I think, is a huge culprit in, in the state of our world right now. Yeah, and we're all guilty. I'm guilty, you know, like order books on Amazon and toys for the kids. And, you know, it's, it's problematic in so many ways for the environment, uh, for the economy. I mean, Jeff Jeff Bezos is going to be okay financially. He doesn't need our extra $10, you know, every couple of weeks. But there are, you know, local businesses that, uh, for lack of better language, like they, they give a fuck a lot more about local community and local consequences and, and local impact uh, more than kind of a faceless trillion dollar corporation well like if 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 we can go down the the street and go to the local bookstore go to the the secondhand bookstore yeah um you know one we're putting money back into the local economy um if we're buying secondhand you know that's the carbon footprint of secondhand is a lot less than you know buying something something new and uh, these businesses are, are the faces you see every day. Um, they're contributing to the, the culture of the community. Um, they're contributing to the, the good of the community. And they're going to care about your well-being more than the Amazons or, 
Walmarts or whatever of, of the world. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one way to slow things down. Yeah. Um, but talking about the slow movement, like we hear about the slow food movement, like I remember we might have talked about this on another pod, but I remember doing um, kind of a, a like a little drop in on like a kindergarten class and making some smoothies and some juices and and just like talking about fruits and vegetables and you know I'd be like what's this and it'd be kale and you know a couple kids would know what it is and I'd be like what's this or I'd be like where does this from come from and and like no fault to the kids but you know a lot of a lot of the answers were like oh that comes from the frozen food section or that comes from a can yeah and you know they're five they only know what they're exposed to but um we've a lot of us have lost the connection of of the slow movement of growing food taking a seed putting it in your your garden and and watching it grow and that connection like even having a garden at home like going and watering it every day and like connecting to those plants into the earth into the soil and like one the gratif like how gratifying it is to see the, them grow they're like your babies um but two, um, like connecting to that's that's where our food comes from, and and you know if we connect to that, there might be more interest in you know going to the farmers market and buying local produce that's grown here and not sprayed with uh, you know <laughs> Roundup. Oh, um, yeah, there's just like a, a trickle down of positive impact uh, once we kind of break things down to where they came from. Um, there's a lot of positive impact that can come from there. Yeah, totally. Well, and just like the the connection, like you talked about, the connection to to the earth and understanding how how things grow. Like you value a carrot that you've grown way more than one that comes out of the the bag of like fifty that you've bought from Costco. Yes, right. And now I recognize that like every situation is different, and some people just don't have a space, right? Whether they're living in an apartment or a smaller house or shared living or whatever, not everyone has access to like an outdoor garden space, right? Like we don't here really, but there's community gardens, there's other things that we can do or even just CSA or CSA. farmer's market or. Yeah, so we we, we opt into the, the sharing farm here in Richmond. Um, they have their like community, like their CSA basket that you can get and you pick up every Thursday, like this random assortment of amazing organically grown vegetables. And the beauty of this program is like, as someone who, who purchases the basket, like your cost, half of that goes towards supplying the food bank yes. with fresh vegetables, because those are the things that people who, you know, are on fixed income or whatever situation doesn't allow them to have the same access to like healthy food as maybe some other people it sets them up with it. And like, that's amazing. It's kind of like that mentality of like, give one, get one, right? Like mm -hmm. we talk about changing the economy. Well, here you go. Like people who are able to can pay perhaps a little bit more um, and still get something really good out of it. And then the same amount of, of fresh veg and fruit goes to, you know, people who could really, really use it and wouldn't necessarily be in a position currently to like get it. And so I, I love that. And then, even with our kids, like they, they go to Homa Elementary School here, which is just, just up the road, and they have 
like this huge outdoor garden classroom. Yeah, it's so cool. And so they learn all about like the water cycle and they learn about things like, you know, um, pollinators. And so they, they grow like pollinator gardens and part of their homework is like understanding, you know, what pollinators do you see at your house? So kids are, they're getting these kids to like look at the natural world around them and they're they're literally taking time out of the day to teach them this and it's like such an important lesson because these are these are the kids that are going to inherit this earth um and are, they're really going to be the ones that come up with i think solutions which probably aren't going to be like hyper innovations but it's probably going to be like a gentle return to how we should have always been doing it yes. before we like innovated our way out of it because you can't you were talking about growing meat in a lab and stuff. And that's cool that we can do that. And that's interesting. And it does have way less effect on the climate, right? But like this is one element of of hyper innovation that like is is so solving a problem that maybe we shouldn't have ever had in the first place mm-hmm. because we shouldn't have had mass agriculture where we're trying to feed, you know, the planet with all of this meat it's like completely the equation doesn't balance right and so rather than just saying hey let's pull back on our meat consumption now we're innovating so we can grow meat in a lab and again it's cool and it is a solution but like what if we what if we just went backwards to like a hundred years ago and kind of ate way more locally and slowly right coming back to this quote like just slowed things down i've got this one quote um just from what you're saying here that i really liked um from buckminster fuller um let me just pull it up here if i can find it oh is this the one on the like the innovations and yeah 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 did did i send it to you it's a good one okay i'll circle back to it i gotta i gotta bring it up um kind of what we're we're circling around here though is that we can all be and i think this is one of the most empowering realizations that we can all be um, we vote with our every time we make a purchase, um, every time we buy a meal, we're we're voting for the world that we that we believe in, the world that we want to see with with our money. We vote with our with our wallets. Um, you know, when you buy local, you're you're voting for a local market. When you um, you know choose local over Amazon, you're you're putting your your money in the world you believe in. Um, when you buy a, a plant-based meal versus a hamburger or whatever, you're, you're voting that um, that's what, um, those are the values that you want to distill because all of our, our purchases, they, they stand for more than their physical, um, the physical being of what they are. Like if, if you buy a burger, there's more to it than just that burger. If you buy a cup of coffee from one place versus the other, um, I think we just need to bring intention into our purchases mm-hmm. and realize the power that we have as as consumers, um, whether that's supporting local um, or what uh, or what we're purchasing. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's never as simple as like this cup of coffee, but like, where does it come from? How does it get here? Is it fair trade? Are the workers being paid? Is it? There's so many things that go into it, and. I mean, you can feel completely overwhelmed, right, at having to make sense of every little purchase you make. And it can be it can be to the point of like where it's anxiety inducing and it feels like I'll never (laughs) I'll never get out from underneath it. Right. And that's not the that's not the point of this conversation at all. But it is there is an element of like raising awareness to how we might um, 
how we might change some of the ways we interact with the world around us, even in our very comfortable and modern sensibilities and surroundings. And uh, like Malcolm Gladwell just did this whole podcast on the revisionist oh, history so good. on laundry. Yes. And changed everything I thought about laundry. Totally. Like it's a game changer and you listen to it and it's like, oh, oh my gosh, like there's so much, it's such a simple thing that you would never think about. But by making a few simple tweaks. So what did you learn about laundry? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So this is the thing. It's like, <laughs> uh, well, Ayla will laugh because the percentage of laundry done in our household is probably like 99% her to me. <laughs> Ooh, I'm the laundry guy in our Are house. Are you the laundry guy? I'm okay. Laundry so guy. like, I, it's not, I, we don't really have like distinct roles, but like, <laughs> I feel like she just, uh, she just does it. I do like all the cooking and yes, stuff. So I feel like it's fair. I'm not like, it's okay. Know, I don't it's do, okay, dude. I don't not do stuff. Okay. I'm very domestic. <laughs> the laundry is her, more her jam, but I think, uh, ever since, ever since like moving out and kind of doing my own laundry, like I just knew, that you just like you wash it on cold. Yeah, I don't know if my mom told me that or where where I picked that up, but like I'd always just turn it to cold. Yeah, because I'm like, well, it's cheaper. Like it saves me money. I don't have to like use the heat and the cold water is there's no it doesn't have to heat it right. So I was like, economically, it's better. And then finding out like, oh, it's actually way better for the environment. And just recently, there's been uh, what was it like ninety percent better than it's, hot water it's insane yeah it's a in huge terms of the carbon difference. footprint yeah there, so like one there, one load of laundry you can have a 90 percent less impact right by using cold water cold water that's like doing nine loads right like if you want it's it's crazy yeah but then even just recently like i've been seeing these commercials uh for tide and it's like stone cold steve austin remember him <laughs> austin 316 and uh ice cube because they're both like cold i yeah. guess in their names and they're like doing these cold calls where they're like f- pretending to phone people to tell them about like hey did you know you can wash your laundry in cold water that's pretty funny and i'm like thinking i remember the first time i saw it i was like what the heck like they're obviously this is like that uh, an example of that nostalgia marketing where they're like coming after targeting us targeting us <laughs> right they're like oh yeah okay all you know 36 year olds who ice cube and like Stone Cold Steve Austin is relevant for like most of them should be moved out of mom and dad's house by now. <laughs> We're hoping maybe some doing their own laundry, <laughs> right? Is starting to do their own laundry. Um, we got to like remind them that you can, or teach them, not even remind them, teach them that you can actually wash clothes in cold water. And I remember, I remember watching these ads being like, they're advertising this. Like, why are they ever, yeah. don't people just know, like just set it to cold. But then hearing this Malcolm Gladwell pod, I was like, People don't know. Yeah. Like it's it's a thing that it's like, or, or we're conditioned to be like, you need hot water to like make your clothes clean. Otherwise they're like not clean. But I'm like, well, that's what the soap is for. <laughs> Isn't it? Like I know. It's like if you have a shower and the water's cold and you use soap, you're still going to be clean after still, the shower. Right. It's and not like, like you need hot water to clean yourself. Totally. And Wim Hof would encourage you to shower yeah. in the cold. <laughs> But like, so even that though, that's a, that's a thing. Like, you know, if you've been fortunate enough to travel to different places and, and you go to, to a country where it's like much hotter climate and water conservation is like, they're not in a rainforest, uh, water conservation is like a way more, uh, way more of a big deal. And so you'll shower, but it's like, Hey, please limit your shower time or, um, get yourself wet, turn it off, soap yourself up turn it on rinse and then like you're done and i know you know i'm i'm 
not a long shower taker. Um, but even in the hotter months of the summer, like when we're not in a water shortage, I feel like it's the responsible thing to do to just like either turn it off in between because like I don't need it on or have a cooler shower. Mm. Yeah. Cool shower is so nice. Too. It is so nice. Yeah. Not, not, it doesn't have to be cold. It can be like cool, but yes. we also don't need like this steaming sauna shower. And yeah. I know that that's like such a, for some people like that's such a end of day, like ritual and it's like a treat. Like it's something that's really meaningful and that's fine, but maybe like one or two a week, not like every day or whatever. I don't know. There's yeah. just so many simple ways that we can do it. But the laundry thing is crazy to me. The part that shocked me was the tide and the cascade. Yeah, yeah. I've always been one. I know we were talking about supporting smaller businesses here um, and, and you know, voting, voting in that way. But uh, sometimes these big guys have the the money for the R&D and, the re- and, and kind of the... The development. Um, so apparently, according to Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Tide and Cascade have the most eco-friendly um, Tide for your laundry and Cascade for your your dishes. Uh, they've they've put the the studies in, and and their um, their suds and their soaps uh, cause the least environmental impact. Mm-hmm. Well, and part of it is like part of what they put so much of the R and D into is like creating something that. Um, like does a really good job of cleaning whether it's the dishes or your laundry so that it is you're not sacrificing on like oh because you know my workout gear still smells like I worked (laughs) out in it like nobody's going to be buying that soap so then who cares it has to be good right if it's going to if it's going to replace existing stuff like it has to be good or better yeah Um, because let's be honest even people who want to make a positive change if they try it once and it doesn't work then then you're not going to keep buying it, right? So Tide and they put they put uh, Cascade put all this money into it so that the product would be good, and they've done it so that like it's the suds, right? So that the suds are effective, but they're not crazy amounts because in your washing machine, it will keep rinsing until there's no more soap foam, soap suds, and that's part of like the wash. So you have all this hot water going through and going through and rinsing and rinsing and rinsing and rinsing. So if you switch to a less sudsy but still effective soap. And cold water, now like you've drastically reduced in one load of laundry, you've drastically reduced the carbon footprint of that. Probably for many of us, especially with like kids and stuff or shared living where you have more than just two people, daily routine of running yeah. the the washing machine. And then what about dishes? There's a crazy fact on dishes. Yeah, yeah. So the dishes is like, this one shocked me because as much as like, yo, I'm ahead of the curve, like I'm a cold water, <laughs> cold water washer. The, I Well, part of me is like, I found that washing dishes like in the sink was kind of therapeutic. Yes. You know, so I would like, I, I don't mind washing dishes by hand now and then. Um, Especially if there's, you know, five or six or Yeah, right? Because I'm like, it's not worth it to run the dishwasher. But mind blown. Yes. It is worth it. And it is actually better for the environment to run the dishwasher if you have eight or more dishes to wash. Crazy. Because the average amount of like, if you think you fill up the sink for rinsing, typically with hot water, and then you have the sink full of, you know, your hot water for soap that you're going to scrub the dishes with, plus often rinsing it extra. You've run your sink for more than two minutes. And then therefore it is more, it is less efficient to do that than to run the dishwasher with eight dishes. It's crazy. So like that's like breakfast and lunch or breakfast and dinner 
for a family of four, right? Four cereal bowls and four plates. So these are little ways that we can make a, make a difference and they add up. Yeah. Because it's something that we do every day. Totally. And that's, it, it goes to show, again, coming back to this idea of like, you know, many of us in this kind of postmodern world, like we don't, we have this distrust of, mm-hmm. of larger institutions and, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. But that might be beginning to change as we see things like, you know, they're not, they're not perfect by any stretch and there's, there can always be levels of improvement. But these companies that are, are manufacturing these dishwashers and washing machines that are actually like mm-hmm. pretty, pretty efficient machines. And then, you know, the, the soap and stuff that goes along with it to say they're, they're sure they're still mega corporations, yeah. but they're actually engineering some things that are helpful Right, it's not just like engineering our way further into into a problem, but some of these things we're actually saying, hey, a dishwasher from today versus like you know twenty years ago is actually way more efficient. So much so that don't wash the dishes by hand in the sink, which seems like the more like granola kind of green yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to do. It's like I'm just gonna stand here and like you know gently rub these dishes together, but like it's actually better to just slam them in the dishwasher and let the thing let the thing do its job. I think with the tide and the cascade too, going back to the voting with the dollar, like these are companies that have huge market research teams and they see what consumers are 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 into. If 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 you're constantly voting for an environmentally friendly product, if you're constantly voting for more vegan plant based products, these big businesses are gonna also adapt to have more environmental um friendly products, more vegan products like you know, a decade ago, you wouldn't see a vegan label on things when you go into the grocery store. But now it's a marketing thing to have vegan, the vegan label on their product. And these are from, you know, like big food companies like Tyson Foods and like some of the quote unquote bad food companies. You're seeing positive things happen because there's that desire in the marketplace. So, yeah, I, well, I, I think even purchasing locally um, and voting for the small guys, the big guys, you know, will often pick up their trends from what's happening on a a micro scale and make it macro. So um, just the trickle down effect is massive. Oh yeah. And the, it's, it's so true. And like voting, voting with our dollars every day is like, that's how, that's how change really comes in a society that's built on, it's like a capitalist model, right? Yeah. So you can protest in the streets, you can block an intersection, you know, whatever, all of these things. And it's sensational and maybe it draws some media attention. But like, if you're not affecting the bottom line yeah. by voting with your dollar, which many people are who do those protests and stuff, but like on mass, more and more people are feeling comfortable about choosing a Beyond Meat Burger at A&W yes. than like standing in the street and holding up a sign like save animals that's yes. just that's just outside of most people's comfort zone and yeah there's rooms for all room for all sorts of kinds of activism yes. yeah and you know buying the beyond meat burger over the beef burger is a form of activism it is a form of rebelling against the mainstream system um, and protecting the the climate and the environment so like those are ways to do a little more good um, in small ways, um, totally. You know, if everyone was getting Beyond Meat burgers over the the, the beef burgers or the cow burgers, um, the the trickle down would be massive. Yeah. 
Um, we, I mean, we, we could have got into this in our intro, but kind of one of our goals in this conversation, I think climate change for a lot of people can be very intimidating. Like, what do I do? Um, and we can lean on the corporations and the government uh, and kind of point our fingers at them to make the changes. But I, I think the goal here with this conversation is to make, you know, ourselves included, realize that we are, you know, the masters of our own lives to a degree, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we can we can empower change ourselves and we can feel empowered to make decisions and excited to make decisions that we know have a positive impact. Um, so, you know, we've already touched on a couple, but our goal today is just to to touch on some of those those ways that we can feel empowered to to create positive impact um, and and maybe the climate change will be less daunting because we know we're doing we're taking the steps that we can to to create um, you know positive change right well, um, you, sorry go ahead no I was gonna say even if even if ten people yes who've who've listened to this conversation to this point yeah you know eight of them are like oh wait I can maybe I'll start washing my clothes and cold water or yeah. or kudos to you maybe you're already cold water washers but you're like me and being like oh i'll hand wash these dishes to be like okay no now i'm yeah. gonna like run my dishwasher when i have eight yeah. or more dishes because that's like when we learn those things by having conversation and then implement those things into our lives yes climate change is still a daunting thing yeah but like the stat again well uh Adam Skolnick pulled it up on on the pod where they were kind of jamming on climate change and stuff too with him and Rich Roll. And he said the this, this statistic for North America, which was, I think, pulled from the, the um, Revisionist History Gladwell pod was uh, 290 billion loads of laundry per year in North America. Yes. Like that's an insane number. So if you think, oh man, little old me turning the dial on my machine from hot to cold... It really isn't making a lick of difference but then if you like if if half if half of those loads of laundry got switched to cold that's a huge number and that's a huge drop in in carbon footprint so i mean it it can feel daunting it can feel overwhelming and like what can i do like i'm already plant-based or i already you know meatless monday i do now with our family or you know we try to walk as much as we can but it's all of these little things, like you yeah. said about the revolution, right? It's all these little steps that add up to make a big difference. And so if you think about of all of those billions of loads of laundry, if all of a sudden, you know, the dial is turned where half, three quarters, 90% of those loads are being done on cold. Yeah. Like that's an insane win in yes. terms of like climate, climate change. Yeah. And there's so many small things like uh, I like to ride my, my bike to work and I think this is a small example and, you know, I'm lucky that I can ride my bike to work. Um, but I, I kind of like it's a challenge to myself of like how little miles can I drive in my car this year? Like, yeah, how can I can I keep it under 10,000? Can I keep it under 5,000? Can I ride more kilometers on my bike than I drive in my car? Um, and every time it's kind of like a, a dual bonus, like I'm getting fresh air, I'm getting exercise, I'm getting a little bit of me time where I can have mental clarity for creativity or problem solving or just free thought that I'm not distracted by my phone or our conversation or, or my surroundings. I'm getting some exercise in yeah. and I'm not, um, you know, driving, driving my car to work. Um, so it's like 
all of those things are good to me. Totally. Um, well, and I don't know. I don't know if anyone, if anyone listening to this has ever commuted, but it's generally not something that we look forward to. Like even if you have a really oh, good, yeah. really I, good podcast, yeah, like this one. No, no. But even if you have something, you know, I really enjoy, you know, the the time in the car or whatever. Typically, like at some point in the commute, someone cuts you off. Yeah. Or there's construction because it's summer and then you have running you, late. you have winter and construction seasons right and or you're running late or whatever commuting sucks <laughs> it does. but like riding your bike awesome there's it's like it's not it's not a stress inducing exercise like it's quite it's quite liberating it's like being a kid yeah right it turn, turns the commute into an adventure and it takes something like you said that's stressful into something that is enjoyable that i look forward to that yeah. i like i can't wait to like to work, especially when like, you know, work for many or family for many can, you know, have its stresses and it just gives you a breath to, to kind of decompress and, 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 you know, find the solutions you're looking for. Yeah. Um, okay. So some of the things that we're going to jam on, we've touched on some of them already, but these are kind of some of our small ways to make big differences. Plant-based diet. Yeah. Both a believer in that. I'll, I'll totally. give I'll give kind of the Coles notes and then we can mm-hmm. kind of jump into topic by topic. Let's Col- do it. So we got plant based diet. I think personally, I think this is the biggest change anyone can make to to have a positive impact on the climate as an individual. Um, fast fashion, yep. supporting local and the secondhand uh, economy. Um, what else do we got? Uh, well, it's tied to food, but I would say like food waste. Food waste. That's a big one. Yeah. I think those are kind of some of the main ones we're going to jam on. Some of the big ones. I mean, being, I would say they have, we've talked about it already, but like having a connection to the outdoors. Because yeah. once we feel connected to the natural world, there's more of a desire to to preserve it, protect it, love it. Appreciate it. Yeah. This is kind of a crazy thing and and um, it's kind of counterintuitive to a, a lot of what we're going to say and some people might hate me for saying it. But some of the people that created the original parks in the U.S. and created uh, national parks and, and land reserves, and they were hunters because they didn't want to see it disappear. Mm. Um, and I think not to take, you know, one from the, the book from the hunters, but I think uh, in terms of land preservation, they had that one right. They, they saw the value of nature in its in its natural state and and they wanted it to be preserved um so yeah well and i think there's yeah it's a good point you bring up i mean there's i think there's two or more cultures just like anything right yeah there's there's a few different cultures of like hunting there are the people who do it do it as a sport and they you know there's there's some sort of um uh desire or like merit in in taking the life of an animal and like mounting its head like on your wall or something that's like i don't know i've never really never really understood that but there's also a stream where it's like i think people there are people that are hunters and so the the end game is the same like they're taking the life they're environmentalists but they're hardcore environmentalists and it's like uh well it's almost like um you know without conflating these these two scenarios in a problematic way it's almost more of like an indigenous understanding of this is a big deal mm-hmm. like if you if you kill an animal for food and you're going to use you know all in an indigenous sense like all parts of it but there are some modern non-indigenous hunters who have that kind of mindset where it is 
you know, you can agree or disagree with the practice. That's not what I'm talking about of, of hunting, but they have like, there's like a sacred reverence for what it is they're doing. And they don't take more than they need. It's like if everyone who ate meat went out and hunted the meat that they wanted to eat, we would, we would not be in the position that we're in today. We'd be okay. Agree or disagree with hunting and eating meat. If, if everyone who ethics the, aside, yeah, right. If ethics we're speaking aside, strictly about the environment. Yeah. Are you buying the shrink wrapped pre-cut, yeah. you know, nice on display chicken breast or steak or whatever it is you're going to buy from, from your local grocery store where you can pretend that it's like not actually from a living animal. Yes. It's just steak yeah. or chicken breast or whatever. If, if all the people who bought and consumed those things had to go out and hunt and to consume those things, well, it would, there would be a lot more vegetarians in the world. Oh yeah. That, right. Yeah. hundred so, percent. Yeah. I've got a neighbor that's a hunter and maybe he listens to this podcast. We'll see. Yeah. See if he calls me out. Well, a bunch of my but, family are, are hunters, right? Yeah. And they, they would fall more. And it's partly like geography where they live. They would fall more in the like, Hey, this is a big deal. Like if we, yeah. this, it's not, it's not like for sport in the way that we see some people do it. And yes, I don't know. I mean, of course, but yeah, if you took, when I, when I chat with my neighbor, if you took the word hunting out of the conversation and we just focused on our care for nature and the environment, it's like very parallel. Like even challenged me, like how, how much do you donate to the parks board every year? I was like, None. He donates a ton of money. Uh, how much do you donate to the, the, the conservation and preservation of these, these animals? None. He donates a ton. So, I mean, there are, I don't agree with the ethics of it. I don't yeah. think I ever will. And I, I don't, I don't think, I think every animal, just like every human has a right to, to live, uh, you know, a cruelty, human, human free life. But, um, I do think there's something to the conservation side. Yeah. Anyways, that aside. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, and it just shows that it's not, uh, I guess like anything that's really important in life. It's not just a black and white issue. Like yeah. there are levels of gray where, yeah, people may, may never agree on the same, on the same diet, but they might have the same um, values for, yeah. for land and preservation and all that. And, and I think that at the end of the day, you're looking at how can we collectively do the most good. Yes. Right? And that's where it's like, what in an ideal situation, like people would be predominantly, if not, wholly plant-based yes because that's going to be the best thing for us and for the planet but again if you if you crunch numbers and say if if like 80 percent of the population was like 10 percent more plant-based than they are now those numbers are those numbers are astronomical and the impact of that is huge massive so you might want to say oh i i I wish that everyone would just like adopt a like a whole food plant-based diet and stop eating all this stuff but if you have meat eaters uh, or omnivores or whatever they're consuming meat and you know, animal products throughout the week if you say okay for two two days out of the week yeah you're gonna consume no animal product yeah it's like almost 50 percent better that's humongous right yeah. and so again like it might not be it that's, might not that's bad math but yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you know it, it, it's it, the numbers go exponentially yes because it's way more people not doing it all in, but doing it, you know, partially. And those steps, I think that's the way for me, like, I think that's the way is you go, Oh, I can eat a meatless Monday meal Mm -hmm. and be satiated and it it tastes good. 
And then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe I will try that veggie burger this time. Cause like I didn't die from eating, yeah. you know, lentil stew or whatever. And so it's like, it's, it opens the door to people to be more curious rather than someone again, like kind of beating down the door being like, you have to like, let go, give it all up. Cause yeah. for people there's culture, there's tradition, there's family history, you know, these important things that it, it takes time to put space yeah. between food all, and those but all these fatal conveniences yeah <laughs> the fatal conveniences but yeah food is huge so let's keep jamming on food for a little bit okay so obviously our good friend desiree nielsen yeah uh episode two of this pod if you haven't listened to it listen to her episode she's just an amazing human being also plug for her check out her all sorts podcast it's great so good. in terms of like just food and healthy eating and gut health and all kinds of stuff so be sure to check her out um, but she she has a cookbook called eat more plants and it's kind of her whole jam and that's like really uh, from a from a standpoint of like personal wellness that's one angle that she's taking that's probably the biggest angle but also in terms of like the planet and the climate um it is way better for us to eat more plants and it is way better for the environment so um there's some there's some crazy stats should we we jump into some stats let's jump into some stats and and just like for the record, neither of us were armchair armchairing this. This is just like a conversation between two people that care. Uh, but we would like to have a climate change expert on at some point. So. Yes. So if you're out there listening and you're like, these guys, they're they're almost there. And you're <laughs> like, yes, I know. Help us. We, we want to learn more. We've actually, we would love to. So if you know one or if you are one, yeah, hit us up. Or, Slide into our DMs, or, as they say. Or maybe. if you have somebody that you think would be a, a good guest for this topic, yeah, hit us up. But this is just us because we're passionate about it. We care about it. We want to see a future. Uh, we, you know, we we need to talk about the the intergovernmental uh, panel on climate change report that was just released. Yes, because that's that's big. But as people who are looking at the future, saying, "Oh man, like it changes when you have kids." It You're changes like, when you have. Yeah, I, I don't want this to be worse. I want my kids to have as good or better of a childhood that that we did and have the same, you know, freedom of clean air and abundant nature and and trees and clean water and all of that. So it kind of changes. You start thinking about, you know, consequences beyond your lifetime when you have kids. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got something for us? Okay, so uh, I'm just pulling some of this from the Cowspiracy website. If you haven't seen Cowspiracy, check it out. Also, um, yeah. I think that is a game-changing documentary. It's hard to um, it's hard, hard to unlearn once you see these things, once you learn these things. It's hard to, like, once you know better, you know, do better. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's when, once you learn, it's hard to unlearn. So... Um, I definitely recommend Cowspiracy. Um, what are some other ones? Game Changers, Forks Over Knives. Seaspiracy um, is a recent one. Seaspiracy. Um, you know, we'll we'll put some stuff up on our on our what's good for the week and in, in our show notes. But okay, this is from Cowspiracy. So animal agriculture is responsible for eighteen percent of greenhouse gas emissions, more than the combined exhaust from all transportation. So let's just let's just pause there for a second. So you That's know, there's a, there's a big focus on like let's get an electric car, let's get a hybrid, let's bike to work. Like I was saying, but that's crazy. Animal agriculture is responsible for more greenhouse gas emissions than 
all transportation combined. So that's planes, trains. Like there's trains that are using coal still. Yeah. And like, you think of like some of the, the massive cities of the world. Yeah. Right. And the, like it's, that's an insane stat. So if everyone stopped eating animals, it would have a bigger impact than if everybody stopped driving their cars, flying planes, taking trains. Yeah. It's crazy. We like, we feel guilty about, you know, driving somewhere for a vacay or like hopping on a flight and going somewhere. But when you, when you see that stat, you're like, Oh, that actually, (laughs) it's like turning off, turning off one light bulb, but doing like 10 loads of hot laundry. Yes. It's like cool that you turn off the light bulb, but it actually, the laundry is the problem. Yes. It's like, Oh, don't, don't take that flight because of like your carbon footprint or like, don't drive there. But like, when you get there, have the steak. It's delicious. I know. And you're like, no, no, it's wrong. But like that, when I read that one, I was like, it's just kind of sobering. 18%. I mean, I, like, like I said earlier, I think in terms of individual impact, adopting a plant-based diet is the biggest impact you could have on having a, a, a carbon-neutral life. Yes. Okay, here's another one. Uh, livestock and their byproducts account for at least 32,000, well, I don't even know how big this number is, 32,000 million tons of, yeah. I don't know what number that would, I don't even know how to say that. It's an insane number, 32,000 million tons. Of carbon dioxide, CO2 per year, or 51% of all worldwide greenhouse gas emissions. So, I mean, is it really worth having that burger when you can have a Beyond Meat burger? When you can have something that tastes just as good yeah. and has 50% less greenhouse gas impact. It's crazy. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like those stats are available and out there, but they're so shocking. Like it's 32,000 million tons. Like that's almost unfathomable. It's like such a large number that it's hard. It's hard to, to wrap our heads around what that means. And so we focus on things like, oh, well, maybe I should just buy a Tesla or, or, you know, try to drive less or switch to energy efficient light bulbs. And, and again, like go to the grocery store and buy the bacon and the ground beef and the chicken and the chicken strips. And like you, you're not seeing the forest for the trees in terms of like what could actually make, uh, an astounding difference. Right. And even, um, it's hard to sugarcoat it. Like, it's just like, yeah, eat the plants. Yeah. It makes like a difference. Ethics, and even again, so talking about like hunting a moment ago, like ethics aside, yeah. like whether you're an animal rights activist or not. Yeah. Like if you care about the future of the planet, it seems like then, like if, if someone asks you, do you care about the future of the planet? And your answer is yes. It seems like then the next logical step would be like, are you willing if you're if you're consuming like meat and animal byproducts, like are you willing to drastically reduce those things? Yes. And it seems like for many of us, the answer is like, well, and we'll do all the other things. Mm-hmm. Okay, cold water, sure, I'll yeah. do cold water. Wash dishwa- yeah. dishwasher instead of hand. Boom, yeah. I'll do it. Plastic straws, get rid of those. Energy efficient light bulbs, hell yeah, sign me <laughs> up. Right? Like I even walk to the grocery store most of the time. It's like, yeah, but are you still buying all the meat? Well, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Grass fed though. It's grass fed. And so, but I think that's like, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing that we like, there's, there's this disconnect. So, but even. Here's another mind trip. Sure. Um, 
in terms of scale, like, okay, say you're that meat eater and you're like, well, it's grass fed. Grass fed is less environmentally friendly than factory farming. Right. Because it's taking up so much space and resources. Like factory farming is like the efficient farming for, for the environment is just like the devil's work. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. so, I mean, we, we'll, we'll keep the, the animal ethics out of this one and focus on the environment. Um, I think like our, our stance and our values are, are pretty clear on that and we can get into the animal ethics on another pod. Um, cause it's, you know, great to talk about. Um, but yeah, like if you're like, I'm eating grass fed, it's actually worse for the environment than factory farming. So your, your, um, your way of, you know making meat sound better is actually doing harm. Okay, let's get into a few more stats here. Okay, well, so I, I got one here. What do you got? The, um, again, on like the eating eating, eating more plants. And again, it, if you boil it down, right, you throw lots of numbers and stats out there, but sometimes it's helpful to like take it really to like the plate in front of you. So uh, in 2017, there was a, a study published in the Journal of Environmental Research Letters saying that red meat can have up to 100 times the environmental impact of plant-based foods. So again, 100 times, okay, it's like, okay, it's 100 times worth. So like, what does that mean? So uh, according to some of the estimates, um, beef gives off more than six pounds of carbon per serving. So this is like what's on your plate. So the, 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 the beef on your plate gives off more than six pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere per serving. On the flip side, the amount created by um, a serving of rice, legumes, carrots, apples, or potatoes is less than half a pound. Wow. So it's still, there's still a carbon dioxide element to producing fruit and vegetables, but like six pounds to less than half a pound it's like the the math on that level is like if you're going to have if you're going to weigh the carbon impact of what you're eating yes then again like it's it's a pretty it's it's pretty cut and dry if yes. you again if you're someone who's trying to minimize your own carbon footprint in all aspects and all the things that you're doing when it comes to your plate like those numbers don't lie. Like, and that was for me, one of the reasons why I stopped eating meat was because it was, it was uh, admittedly so like less of an ethical issue and more of me like, Oh, I was trying to be like environmentally conscious in all other aspects of my life. Like how can I be more, you know, green and all the things that I do. And I was like eating all of the meat and I saw these kind of stats and I was like, Oh, yeah. This is actually like it, three times a day, the way that I'm participating in this system is actually doing more damage. Yeah. Like I would be better off to, to care, to not care at all about the environment in every other aspect of my life and cut out meat. Like if I actually wanted to make a difference. Because the other things that I was doing, like all while they are good, yeah, significantly less impact than simply changing what was on my plate. So that's where I was like, that's huge. Well, you can just take it like we can take a moment right here and, and take a pause and think. If you think about what your personal values are and then think about what you're eating and what you're purchasing and do those values that you, 
you know, reflect on for yourself, do they project onto the food that you're beating, uh, food that you're beating, <laughs> food that you're buying yeah. and the products and, and your consumer, you know, habits, uh, if you believe in, you know, in environmentally carbon neutral products, like is that reflecting in, in your consumer habits? If you believe in cruelty free, is that, I mean, I think cruelty free doesn't exist. I think there's, you know, it goes down even to our farming practices, but, mm-hmm. um, do your values that you say you represent align with your your consumer habits? And I think it's like a really easy way to self reflect it and see if our 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 choices and our decision making you know add add up to the person that we're trying to put out to the world. Yeah, totally. Because that's part of being like being consistent to who we are, right? Yeah. And that's where for me, like I well, I think I told this story on on the on the Diener episode where you know my kind of like spiritual values uh, all of a sudden i saw this alignment between yes. not eating meat and what was there kind of in this like original whatever however we understand these creation myths to come but like in the in the old testament story like in the beginning whatever we believe about god or this spirit or this entity or this created place that we're in but like as the story goes god created all the stuff and says gave animals plants and stuff for food and to the people, God gave plants and trees and seed-bearing fruit and nuts for food. And I remember reading that being like, wait, it doesn't say animals are food. <laughs> and I would have said all this all this time, like, yeah, yeah, no, like God gave us animals to eat. Like, that's why we're... But like, it's very clear in this created order that like perhaps plants are food. And then yes. biologically, you look at our, our makeup, right? Our, our flat molars and our long intestinal tract. Like, we don't look like carnivores. We, no. have, we have the physiology. Like, it's sleep. soft nails. You could almost say, depending on your belief, you could almost say we are designed or we were created to eat plants. Oof. And so that's, for me, one of the ways that, like, I brought in, like, that spiritual ethic of, like, who I am. Yes. And recognized, man, this doesn't align. And then as I did a few more you know, deep dives and research on, on CAFOs and on slaughterhouses and on some of the human impact, not, yes. not, not even notwithstanding the animal impact, but the human impact of people who work there and run those things and some of the, the detrimental things that happen in the communities yeah. and in the lives of workers of slaughterhouses and stuff. Um, I was like, this, this does not align with, with my personal values at all. Yes. And like, I just, that was, that was a huge part of the decision was like that, that, belief that spiritual component to me seeing in in that way and then and then again like to me whatever people can agree or disagree with that but but at the end of the day it's like there are you you can't really argue with the numbers so again if we're talking about efficiency yes and we're talking about you know making a good bet right Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't you wouldn't sink money into bad stock because we're like well that's that's a losing number and yet when it comes to our plate we like ignore the obvious numbers in front of us. So here's here's another one. In a world that values efficiency, right? And especially if you're an athlete, you want to get the most bang for your buck in terms of like calories in and 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 all this and all of us like we want to, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes sense to 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 take the the most efficient road to get to where we are going. But when it comes to our food, we often don't. And uh, again, Yale Center for Business and the Environment came out with this study um, where they say meat makes for curious math, which I love. And here's the curious math. 25 calories 
is required to create just one calorie of beef. So 25 calories is required for that cow to consume it just for one calorie to come out. It's a bad investment. Like imagine if that was your bank and you went and sat down with your bank. 25 to one? And you're like, well, you know, you could buy this house, but for every $25 you put in, you're only going to get $1 out. You'd be like... You're joking, right? See you later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like what, what bank is this? You'd be out the door. Yeah. So and for pork, the ratio is about 15 to one. So 15 calories per one calorie out of pork. And even the most efficient meat meal, which is chicken, requires nine calories to produce just one calorie of food. So so think about that. When there's like communities that are, are going hungry, like you have to water the crop, grow the crop, transport the crop to the animals, grow them from infancy to a size, of appropriate size yeah. or inappropriate size to, yeah. to slaughter, to 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 kill the animal, um, you know, you're feeding, watering, nurturing in some sort that animal until it gets to that size where you could just be growing the crop to feed people. Feed people. And in the meantime, you've got all the byproduct yes. from the animal, yeah. right? The, 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 the cows, the methane and all of this, right, that's being produced. And it's just, well, and then Paul, so Paul Hawken, who is the author of Drawdown and has a new book coming out, about like regeneration as well um, and climate change. Uh, his, his statistic based on exactly what you're saying and like food that can feed the world is 97% of soybean that is grown is used for feed for pigs and cows. 97% of the soybean. So you think of all, like all of the soy, the tofu, the edamame, like all of the stuff that's grown to make these delicious, like little vegan treats, right? Soy curls, whatever it is. 90%, 97% of that is actually just used as feed for pigs. And so, and no wonder, because to get the amount of calories out, yes. you need to put that many more calories in, right? Yes. And like, it's just insane. I even saw on, um, I know we shouted out Erin Ireland last last Oof. part of the beginning, but I saw on her story today, she posted a thing from uh, Dr. Andrew Little and says, uh, crazy that we live in a world where more people die from too much food than people who die from not enough food, right? Like overeating in like the Western world. And then this says, we can feed 50 to 70 billion domestic land animals, yet we can't feed 8 billion people. Animal wow. agriculture is one of the greatest injustices of our time. That's crazy. I so, didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. All, how many animals? Can you say that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like kind of mind-blowing, right? Because you think, and then you go 97% of the soybean is fed to the animals. So 50 to 70 billion domestic land animals, and yet we can't feed 8 billion people. Wow. Animal agriculture is one of the greatest injustices of our time. When I saw that this morning, I was like, oh my goodness. So again, like... Ethics of, of, you know, animal rights and stuff aside, if you're someone who's like, oh man, yeah, like people should have access to food, good, healthy food. Like yeah. I believe in that. I yeah. believe that everyone has the right to like healthy food. Okay, well, here's a way that by participating in the system, you're actually voting with your dollars against that value statement that you hold, right? And so to say like we can feed all of these people if we shifted the mechanism of what we're trying to feed them. So here's one on water to back up kind of what you're saying there. Agriculture is responsible for 90% of water consumption 
and growing feed crops for livestock consumes 56% of water in the U.S. So um, that's a lot. Um, 2,500 gallons of water are needed to produce one pound of beef. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, 1,000 gallons of water are required to produce one gallon of milk. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like the stats make it pretty clear, um, of the environmental impact of animal agriculture. Uh, I think choosing to eat a plant-based diet or bringing more plants into your diet is not only going to make you, um, if you're, if you're eating, you know, whole grain plant-based nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, there's going to be a positive net, net result for your health and well-being, but also the well-being of the planet. So it's just like, check, check, check. Um, there's not a lot of, a lot of bad things to talk, say about eating a plant-based diet. Yeah. Do you got any more? stats here i got a few more but i feel like you're you're ready you're ready with another one with another, with another stat well uh no i mean i don't know i feel like you don't want to overwhelm okay i'll just i'll just rattle off a couple more give so us like a couple the, more the picture gets painted in the picture paint by numbers uh livestock covers 45 percent of the earth's total land uh we're not even getting to to seafood here fish and all that um and of that it's one third of the ice uh, of the Earth's ice-free land. Uh, animal agriculture is the leading cause of species extinction, ocean dead zones, water pollution, and habit destruction. So, I mean, we see the deforestation in, in BC right now, up in Ferry Creek. Uh, when we think about the Amazon and the deforestation, most of it's so that they can, like, knock down these trees um, where, you know, the rainforests are kind of, like, the greatest protectors of, of the climate and in, in, in a lot of ways, and we're cutting them down for the, further animal agriculture. Yeah, the lungs of the planet, we call it. The right? lungs of the planet. So yeah. we're literally, you know, cutting down the lungs so that we can create more pasture for, for cows. So it's just like... Da, 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 da. Um, speaking of which, I think, you know, as a... Speaking locally, and I think you can probably apply this to most countries, where we're seeing our old growth forest get cut down in rapid, rapid times. Um, we're seeing in Ferry Creek here in BC. Uh, they're estimating that we only have three years left of old growth trees in Canada at the rate that we're cutting them down, like crazy. three years. So, you know, my kids are, are one in four. So by the time they're four and seven there'll be no old growth trees left in canada like can you imagine that like that's wild i think a lot of people if you live on the west coast you can think of those those giants when you're driving to tofino or something like that like those will be gone and like to think it's crazy to think we have the right to cut down a tree that's two thousand years old like that's like old testament time yeah, you know like, yeah, yeah totally um yeah. i i kind of compare it to like Shameful. the trophy hunters out there like they're cutting down people that hunt nearly extinct animals to put their their bodies on the wall um, are the same people that are cutting down these the lungs of our planet, as Dean said. Yeah. So um, another call to action, like email John Horgan, the RCMP, Justin Trudeau. Uh, email them, call them, um, support 
those that are on the line protesting it. Uh, we'll put, we'll kind of give some shout outs to some of them, um, in the week that this podcast comes out. But, uh, I think those are ways that we can be activists as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So animal agriculture, um, two and a half acres of land are used per cow in general. Um, I mean, also if you, if this isn't climate change related, but it is health of the population, world population related. Most of the pandemics in the world have come from, from animal farming or unnecessary involvement with, with animals. Um, you know, we saw COVID coming from bats. We saw, um, you know, SARS and, and, um, what was the cow one? Oh, the, uh, mad, mad cow, mad cow disease. Like most of these pandemics are, are the swine flu, swine flu a few years ago, are animal agriculture yeah. or animal farming related. So like, yeah. well, and it's you like know. you, you part, part of it is like, you've taken, you've taken the natural world and you've consolidated it into these smaller areas where animals are in some ways is quite, quite literally living on top of each other. Um, created an environment that is unnatural and where these types of uh, unusual strains of, of viruses and stuff, which aren't normal and part of the natural world, but you've given them a chance to be, you know, in the language of, of our current moment, like super spreaders, right? Where we know if there's a bunch of people jammed in a place with COVID, like it goes pretty rapidly throughout everyone. And these types of, uh, these types of animal illnesses are spreading rapidly amongst these massive, I mean, you can't even really call them herds, but these massive groups of animals that are, are kept together and the jump from, you know, species to human is, well, we've seen it happen multiple times and it is likely to continue happening so long as this modern kind of mass animal agricultural machine is existing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I got last one then we can can keep rolling okay. uh farm with 2500 dairy cows produces the same amount of waste as a city of 411,000 people wow so what's richmond like 500,000 people mm, roughly yeah it might be right around there so 2500 dairy cows produces the same amount of waste as a city the size of richmond 2500 yeah it's not very many no <laughs> that's insane crazy so i mean if you want to learn more um, cowspiracy, check that out. Um, there's eating animals by Jonathan Safran for that's a great book. Uh, we'll throw a bunch of resources up so that if you want to like continue this, this dialogue and this education, um, you know, from experts, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll throw some resources up so that you can uh, do a deeper dive. Um, but I do encourage you all to to pursue this conversation and to have this conversation with friends and family yeah. um, because I think it's a really easy and exciting way to create less harm for yourself and for the planet is adapting more plants in your life. Um, you know, you don't have to go vegan overnight, even though we do encourage it. Yeah. But uh, having more plants in your life... Um, is can make a huge difference and and it's really empowering to to know that we can have that impact just by the choice of uh what foods we put on our plate yeah it's little little things to make 
the world a little more good. There we go. I mean, not to be not to be cheeky, but it is. Uh, okay, so Jinwa, Jinwa, she shot us uh, a note on Instagram. We did like a we did like a little question sticker before we started the pod, just saying like, shout if you out, have any shout out to Jinwa. We went uh, we were in the same uh, prenatal group when before Finn was born. Awesome. She she's um give her a follow too. Like she is a climate change uh like it's her life's mission since she's had her daughter yeah uh, she's really cool actually we we sent her a note about joining us today so we'll have her on but so she, time. she's she responded to our little uh instagram story sticker and i think it's really important uh what she said so she said this is an important time to resist the climate doom narrative and instead speak um to speak about all that we can save we each have our unique ways to use our skills and networks for the climate movement. So I love that because it's such so a... Good. Thank she, you, Genoa. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Like she reframes it positively because it is, it is uh, and can feel very like doom filled, yes. right? And even the, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So they released this report. Yes. And when I first kind of heard about it and then looked into it, I was like, oof, it's like it hits you. And I think that it's important to know, not in a way that like, yeah, recycles doom or or kind of does that, you know, what's the, the term that we've coined here? Doom scrolling where you're just looking mm-hmm. at all that's bad in the world. But it is important to be informed. And one of the things that really, really resonated with me uh, as a as a kind of moment of reckoning was out of this um, IPCC report, which has like hundreds of scientists, tens of thousands of scholarly articles been reviewed and kind of all agreed upon by, it's a like a, all the governments of the world really, which is in a miracle in and of itself. One of the biggest takeaways from this report is that by the year 2050, the planet will be 1.5 degrees warmer. And that this figure is irreversible and when I learned that I was so I was like wait what like it, it kind of felt like okay climate change and, and this it is like a crisis and we are in this moment but like we can we can fix it like let's go we, we can do this and then when when I saw in this report that it's like irreversible this 1.5 degree warming by the year 2050 I was like oh man like that that now it's easy is, to give up and just feel like we're, we're we're fucked right right yeah and and in some people like i even had the conversation this week where, where someone i was speaking to they're like great when, when people like my you know they said like my dad or my brother hear this they'll be like well whatever now i can just do whatever i want because it's they're going to hell in a handbasket anyway <laughs> and you could have that mentality for sure people could just kind of surrender into the doom and be like well it doesn't matter if it's irreversible like who cares but that's like the new standard like the goal Right. I'm, I think we're both, I think many of us are like goal oriented people. So if like, okay, we can't stop this warming now, but we can make 1.5 degrees it like yes. that we w- will commit to not having things. We can minimize up. it to that. Yeah. We can keep it at 1.5. Cause literally like if you were to flip a switch today and there would be zero carbon emissions, 
the planet would still get 1.5 degrees warmer yeah. by the year 2050. Like it's not stopping. It's like, for example, I, I mean, we probably all get it, but like, you know, if there's a garden hose, right. And it's got the residual water in it and you're spraying and spraying out of the garden hose and then like it turns off at the nozzle. It doesn't matter when you turn it off, like at the, wherever it's hooked into the side of the house, all of that water in the pipe still has to come out of the hose before it's gone. This is like what's happening with climate change. So if we turn off, the water, so to speak, at the wall, that 1.5 degree stuff that's like still in the hose is still has to, it's coming out. Like you can't, you can't stop that, but we can keep it to 1.5 degrees. Mm -hmm. And so like, I love the thought of like a challenge where we can recognize like, oh man, okay, this is happening. But like collectively, can we commit? Let's make it a challenge. Make it like, let's, yeah, let's not let it be more than that by the year 2050. Like if we, if we care about the future of the planet and the next generation, like I feel like this should be one of our greatest priorities is to say we can't let things get any worse than they are because what's happening now is, is irreversible. It's unavoidable. This is going to happen. Well, there's that meme that I think we both saw. It was like, this is the hottest, this is the hottest summer on record. And then like the next cartoon was, this will be the coldest summer of the rest of your life. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. No. It just like, it hits you. Cause you're like, that's, it's kind of true. Like heat domes. Right. I mean, and, and, and I'm like, let's get AC, but that's not the solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, and that's where you're caught. Cause like we're, that's the, that's the kind of default thing. And like, we're, we want to solve these problems, but perhaps our solutions like are contributing to the issue. It's kind of like, you know, we had Navi Gill on and we were learning about Ayurvedic wellness and how it treats uh, the root cause instead of the symptom. I think that's the same with the climate change. We Mm. need to look at the root causes instead of the symptom. Yeah. And those root causes, some of them are small, some of them are systemic. Um, You know, some of them we can change ourselves and some of them we need to to lobby and, you know, the government or corporations and like, you know, having a business myself, like it, it does make a difference. If we get enough emails saying our DMs or our customers commenting like, Hey, I don't like that salad. I like that old one. You know, that old salad's going to come back on the menu. And if, you know, to project that onto, uh, you know, a climate, you know, narrative, you know, if enough people email, the government or corporations and say, you know, I don't like these practices. This is what I'd like to see. And instead of just, you know, hating, maybe having some ideas or some solutions or having, you know, a positive possibility, um, you know, we're going to see those changes. If enough of us speak up, you know, you can't ignore the voices of the masses. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's even, uh, we're coming into election here in, in Canada and, it is an issue. Mm-hmm. Like it is one of it is one of the main issues that all of the leaders of the different parties are speaking on is climate change. And I think that it's for for years mm-hmm. it's been an issue. But like perhaps now more than ever. It's always been down the line. Yeah. It's bec- but it's it's becoming it's a now. front issue. Yeah. And I think that people are starting to see one of the things that makes me hopeful. So in in light of like Jinwa's message and, and you know, the, <laughs> yes. the whole vibe of our podcast is not like a little more doom. It's a little more good. So what? so how can we how can we start to change it? I think that people are starting to discover that you can you cannot it's not a sacrifice economically to do the right thing 
no. at, at a corporate level even, or especially, it's not a sacrifice economically to do the right thing in terms of for the climate. Sometimes it's just rewiring our habits. Rewiring our habits and that in fact, more money is to be made yeah. by doing things properly yeah. than not. And, and I think that we're going to start to see a revolution amongst farmers who are discovering this, right? When they can, when they can take back their land and they can have crop yields that are, are far better than they were before, uh, sprays and genetically modified seeds and all this. And, and once they can get out of that rhythm, they like the land heals itself. Like this planet and our bodies are amazing at regenerating and healing, like it's like we're designed to heal and we're desi- the planet is designed to to have this regrowth. I mean, look at the seasons. It happens every year, Yes. right? It's built into the fabric of this place we call home. And so I'm, I'm so hopeful for the innovations, like the positive innovations, and maybe some of them are going to be like reverse innovations. Like we need to go back to how we used to farm before monocropping, before GMOs, before Monsanto, before, you know, no cover crop on the fields and a perfectly tilled field, right? So there are, there are innovations that will be like, oh, wow, yes. look at how good it is, how we used to do it. I mean, I think there's a lot of smart people in this world. And when we work collectively, anything's possible. Totally. Like we saw this pandemic, the world worked together. They got, you know, whatever your beliefs are, they got a they got a vaccine out globally, like in a year. Yeah. And that was people sharing their science, like cool. working together, working collectively towards a common goal. Yeah. If our common goal is to be climate neutral or to, you know, have as little of a carbon footprint as possible, I think anything is really possible. Right. And like it doesn't matter your politics. Yes. Just like COVID COVID. We share doesn't. this. We share this planet. Yeah, right. COVID doesn't discriminate on on political party or political leaning, nor does climate change. Like it affects all of us. And right? you did. And you did see at the beginning of COVID when people were isolating and in quarantine, how quickly the environment came back. It was insane. There was birds coming back to neighborhoods that they'd never seen in in, in decades. There were, you know. There were rivers that, you know, were so polluted that were blue again, yeah. you know, after a couple of weeks. Like it's nature is resilient. Yeah. No, and I, if we give it a fighter's chance, you know, if we st- if, if we just give it the opportunity to exist, it will do wonders. Yeah. No, um, here's a here's the quote I was looking for. And I think it's relevant to what we were just talking about. You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete by Buckminster Fuller. Hmm. And he was kind of a revolutionary uh, designer, builder, architect, thought leader, kind of in the like the beat poet, flower power hippie kind of era. Um, and that kind of makes me think of, you know, the Beyond Meats and the Teslas and all these these companies that haven't necessarily reinvented a product. They've just made something better, not in, not only in terms of, of quality, but in terms of the impact that they have on the environment. Mm-hmm. So I think for all of the entrepreneurs out there and and inventors and, and engineers and, and the people that are creating, um, I'll just say it one more time. Um, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. 
to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. So good. Put your put the energy into into regeneration, re- creating yeah. creating something new. Yeah, that renders the old uh, obs- obsolete. It's beautiful. It's beautifully said, and that's where we should be focusing our energies, right? Yes. And that might be that might be resurrecting the old ways, yes. right? And saying, yo, this is actually going to make what we thought was like the modern faster coming back to the quote at the beginning right the speed the efficiency to say actually like no these older these older slower practices are like what's gonna actually save us in the end right yeah yeah and if we look at the blue zones the people that are the centurions the healthiest communities of the world you know they have a lot of analog you know slow they're kind of like the the small giants of the world that you know are leading the slow movement uh trend like you know, a lot of them grow their own food. They walk instead of drive. They're community oriented. Um, like it's it's very very analog. And I think we need to look to you know our respective elders and look to like we don't. In some ways, yes, we need the Teslas and the Beyond Meats, but we also have a rich history that we can look on, and that a lot of the answers are already there. Like instead of having monoculture, like. We, we can have farms that are, are, are diverse and, and support, um, you know, many, many plants and, and diversity and all of that. Um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of it's been done before and we just need to, to relearn and, and remember and look to what's been done before to see what we need to do now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many things. There's so many things that can be done that will, again, right, like one drop in a bucket seems like a really small thing. But collectively, all of us as drops, like we fill and overflow the bucket very, very quickly. So whether it's, yeah, something like switching from hot to cold laundry, running that dishwasher instead of hand washing the stuff, uh, choosing to walk, ride, transit instead of always driving or simply being intentional about your driving routes and planning it out ahead of time to minimize where we're going you know taking time to to divest from the things that are the leading contributors to climate change right Um, fossil fuels we often think is the first one but as you know maybe some of us learned today uh, or we can share with others like it's actually uh, animal agriculture that is the leading cause. So, so saying, identifying, starting with personal values and saying, what are the things that I value most? And then looking at the ways that our lived habits and our lived experiences maybe don't line up as clearly as we thought they did. Doing a little research and then divesting from those things in all senses of the word monetarily and in terms of like how we support them. Um, recognizing simple things like being connected to the earth, going for a walk, you know, uh, on the beach in Pacific Spirit Park here in Vancouver, in your local like outdoor wilderness scene, get connected, like put your feet on the ground, teach your kids how to garden, right? Teach them how to plant a seed and water it and watch as, you know, that this little sprout grows into a pumpkin, right? You, you plant it in June and, and at Halloween, you carve the pumpkin that you've grown. It's incredible. And there's such ownership and there's such joy. As fun as the pumpkin patch is, it doesn't hold a candle, I grew this little pumpkin myself, right? And now I'm going to put a face on it and let's go get candy. But like those kind of connections to the earth, again, like, you know, local schools with initiatives teaching young people the value of 
literally worms in dirt and how important that is. Like when my seven-year-old comes home and tells me that worms are really important for growing vegetables and she learned that at school, like my heart swoons, like shout out to those teachers. But like, that's incredible. There are so many little ways that we can make changes or raise awareness in our lives that um, can really offset climate change. And it can feel overwhelming, but it's certainly not. Because we didn't arrive here overnight, right? We know that. And I think that one of the best things we can do is have an attitude of, of resistance, resilience, and radical hope that we can change the course of really history and say enough is enough we're not gonna we're not gonna settle for a planet that is just perpetually warming where we see you know um cities hitting world record high temperatures uh, one day and then burning to the ground the next we don't have to stand for the fact that here in british columbia august is like smoke season right because our forests are on fire mostly because of human caused things, which is a whole other conversation. But just this awareness, right? We can become urban farmers. We can transform roofs into green spaces, patios into vegetable gardens. Like there are so many things we can do. And so, I mean, I guess this rant is just to really serve as a means of uh, encouragement for, for all of us to say, it's not about the doom. It's not about shaming or feeling bad or feeling guilty, but looking and saying, no, I'm going to be like radically hopeful about this future uh, for, for my kids and the kids of my kids and the kids of your kids if you don't have and won't have. But just like, what if we borrowed the Haudenosaunee principle of seven generations, which is what is the impact that my action is going to have seven generations down the line. And if it's not a positive impact, then I should probably reconsider my motivation. And nothing challenges like the for-profit industry that values speed and efficiency over effectiveness and over uh, true meaning than saying, what effect is this decision going to have in seven generations? And so that's an indigenous principle that I think we can all uh, learn to adopt into our lives and practice and be more mindful of uh, moving forward as we tackle this climate change crisis together. That was good. Thanks, Dean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always in for a monologue, you know that. I love that. That was great. Um, yeah, I feel like in, in many ways that's a good place to... I know we haven't gotten to all the topics that so we could maybe brush on a couple, but I think that's almost a good place to land. Um, I'll just give a couple of shout outs for people to continue their education. And yeah. if there's other things you want to bring up, like um, supporting a local diet, we talked about a plant-based diet, but there's this idea of the 100-mile diet. Mm-hmm. Um, J.B. McKinnon, he's a local author. Maybe we should have him on the podcast. Mm. He wrote 100-mile diet, and he wrote one of my favorite books, uh, The Once and Future World, um, which kind of, it's very timely to what's happening right now, kind of where the world started, where it is now, and where it can go. And I believe there's an optimistic ending to it. Uh, I need to reread it, but it was one of my favorite books. Um, and when you think of the 100-mile diet, like 100 miles is pretty far. Uh, and there's we live in a rich agricultural zone here in, in BC and beyond. 100 miles goes down to Washington. Uh, goes over to Kelowna, so it's like it covers kind of 
all four seasons. Get your peaches. Get your peaches done. Get your peaches. Ooh, that's it. There we go. There we go. Um, You can get, you know, your citrus. You can get your root vegetables. You can get your kales and your spinach. Like, Dude, my sister-in-law. Yeah. It was my nephew's birthday yesterday. We did tacos. Yeah. uh, And... He, she brought a lime that she grew on her balcony here in Steeson. I was like, you grew a lime? She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Citrus in Richmond. It's crazy. Come on. Yeah. There's a citrus farmer in Victoria who's like growing all sorts of exotic things. He's got like kiwis and stuff. Um, There's even like some, you know, great hothouse products uh, through the winter, like cucumbers and peppers and tomatoes and all of that. Um, Well, I remember Ryan uh, Slater of the juice truck. Yes. He's a great guy. Oof. He was talking about one of these hot houses out here in Abbotsford and they, they don't use, it's organic. Yes. But it's all indoors. Yes. Like it's in a hot house bubble, but they have like animals and stuff in there to like control the pests. I was like, this is incredible. He's like, it's so, yeah. so rad. Yeah. Ryan, so, Ryan loves our cucumbers. Yeah. But here's another, here's another example of like a, a, a new innovation that's really just old. We're going to, we're going to have this like, indoor yes. hothouse but rather than sprays and isn't that where it's gonna like let nature happen have you watched big little farm yes oh amazing i mean amazing dude i know That's i li- know life like, goal right there right oh man to take yeah honestly i know i know some people didn't love it because there was like they still use animal products and this and that and again like ethics side on, on those issues the way that they transform biodiversity that, it's incredible yeah it's incredible and I loved how he he was he challenged like some of the vegan pushback, saying like, "Well, if you think that your avocados are cruelty free, yes. like let me tell you what has to happen to protect your avocados from yeah. the gophers." Cruelty free is, the hawk. is like yeah, whitewashing or whatever totally euphemism, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can we, we can get into that in another pod. But there's like um, I forget what the the doc is called it's kind of about the farm system but there's those veggies aren't cruelty free i'll just say that no no but it's varying it's the levels right yeah and it's then, le- less cruelty than animal agriculture but yeah. there's uh there's harm everywhere totally yeah we can't we can't pretend that it's not the case but i think that's where that's another good point was like what can we do to mitigate yes what choice we have choices in yeah. North America, uh, you know, we're spoiled for choice in, in many cases, especially when it comes to the things we can eat. And so if one of your personal values is like, I want to reduce harm, I want to reduce um, impact on the climate, whatever it might be, we have choices yeah. to make to to take that, that would align with our values, right? Yeah, we got zero waste grocery stores, we got zero waste delivery, like yeah. shout out to Soap Dispensary and Nada and... Uh, I think it's like called Live Light or something. I'm totally getting that wrong. There's a new zero waste delivery program. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I mean, I love the 100 mile diet. I think you'll be shocked to see what grows within 100 miles and how far 100 miles is. Yeah. And what kind of um, impact that has uh, on the climate by, you know, supporting local in that sense. Um, there's a doc called The True Cost. That is all about fast fashion. Yeah. And that was kind of like a cowspiracy moment for me when I watched that. Because um, often, you know, we go to the H&Ms and the Forever 21s and like we want the $20 garments where the, you know, there's new fashion lines every every week and it's oh, yeah. just the turnover is crazy. Um, but it's not sustainable. It's not good for the planet. It's not good for the people that are, are creating it. Um, 
you know, wherever that be, whether it's in Bangladesh or or China or whatnot, the, the settings, the factories are, are not healthy for the people or the planet. Yeah. Do um, I, well, I remember a, a, a moment in my life where I had like, it was like a reckoning moment Yes. where it was very sobering. I was like, oh my goodness. So it would have been like maybe five or six years ago now or more. doesn't matter. A number of years ago, um, either... Yeah, either Naya was just young or just before she was born, so maybe seven or so years ago. Anyway, we had gone to Superstore in the evening um, to get groceries and whatever, and they had these like kind of white, like V-neck T-shirts. This was back when V-necks were in, so then we can t- like you can sell <laughs> it's a little dated. But they had these, and I was like, oh yeah, those are kind of nice. Like I'll just like up upgrade a few more white tees, like you always staple in the wardrobe, right? They were like four dollars each or something absurd like that. And um, so I remember grabbing like three or four because you just throw them in the closet, and they're you know that's your wardrobe for a week kind of thing. Black jeans and a white t-shirt can't go wrong. Um, and so we came home with our groceries, and. I remember it because it was like clear as day. We kind of put all the groceries away. And then in our old living room, we had like a like a living room chair. And I had just laid the four shirts over it as we were putting the rest of the groceries away. So the way they were face down when I sat on the couch, like I could see the Joe Fresh tag, the orange tag hanging there. And uh, turned on the news and it was the CBC, the National. And it was like a breaking news story of this factory, I believe in Bangladesh, that had collapsed, yes. killing, uh, I don't know how many people, and trapping other people inside, many of them women, probably some children, right, of whatever age, maybe not like exploitive, but young people, vulnerable people, women and children in this society. And uh, the news report was saying that it was, a, it was a Joe Fresh factory where these clothes from Superstore were made. And I remember like sitting there and then looking at this orange tag that in the moment like looked more red, you know, not to be dramatic, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I just bought clothes. Like what if one of those people made that garment that I was like, this is great. It's only four bucks. And I just had this, it was this moment of reckoning where I was like, oh man, like me buying these and being, you know, like thinking, oh, this is so great, was just thrown back in my face by being like, this is actually so awful. That's the true cost. That's the true cost. Yeah. And so I remember when I watched that doc, I was like, oh, yeah, like I'd already lived it. But it was, it was such a stark moment. Yeah. Where I was so hyped on these like fresh, crisp teas. Yeah. And then seeing that, I was like, I, what do I do? Like, I, I guess I'll return. Like, I don't even want to wear them. Yeah. Like I I literally don't want to put these on my body. Yeah. Because who made the like if it wasn't them, it was someone in a similar situation where, you know, it was and, and who knows, I'm not trying to blame Superstore or anything because like factories, whatever their standards and stuff, but like I know apparently allegedly they made some big changes like after that. But it's one of those things where we all know, we all know that our shoes and our clothes, like we just try not to know. Yeah. We try to look the other way. There's a really cool Instagram I follow. I think it's called the guy's main account is Air Vegan, which is also cool. I think it's called Future World or something. I'll find it and throw it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, 
but I think that's just like again voting with our dollar. Like yeah. if we believe in 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 equality and fairness and you know back to the the climate, the waste and the runoff of some of these factories and fashion. Um, you know, there's the the secondhand market. Um, you can buy all the name brands that you want at a quarter of the price. Totally. Like go on Facebook Marketplace. Go to you know if you're in Vancouver, go to a friend and company or the thrift store or whatever. Yeah. Um, or look up brands that are like have a a are conscious, capitalistic, environmentally aware businesses. Like you know, we give shout outs to like Satisfy Running and District Vision, where they make their their garments like locally. Or you know, there's Arc Apparel online here, and all of the brands that are sold at Arc Apparel are like vetted to be like environmentally friendly, eco fashion brands. Yeah. Um, I know for like a big brand like Patagonia is like trying to do a lot of good. Yeah. Um, so like just be intentional with your your purchases um you know you can have all the the fancy fashion you want just put a little thought into it yeah we got a link a video it's amazing it's called the story of stuff have you ever seen it no i haven't seen it oh man it's so good we'll link it because you gotta watch it because it just in some ways it just nails you you're like oh crap and it's done so well where it's like this little cycle of we're caught yes in like looking and scrolling you mean like i need that and then we go out and we buy it and then you wear it or keep it and then you throw it away because you didn't actually need it. And then you go back and you're like, I need that. And, yeah. you, and it's just like this cycle. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's me. Like yes. I'm, ugh. I know. I need to break the cycle of doing this, right? Because we don't need, we don't need this, right? Like our, our recent experience of kind of living out of boxes while we were transitioning, you know, from, from one place to another and not really having like a, our own home. You live with like, five maybe ten percent of the stuff you own and i was kind of like yeah this is all i need yeah like let's just you know what it's all in boxes in the garage like let's just not look and get rid of it because like i haven't needed it in two and a half three months yeah what if we just got rid of all that stuff because it's just stuff that like at one point i thought i needed but i've lived you know apart from like a couple winter jackets for when the season changes <laughs> like i don't need all this stuff that i have and you know, simplicity is one thing. It all comes back to it, but there's lock. There's lots that we can do. There's lots that we can do that is like little things that make a big difference. Yes, and I know it's hard. Like on Instagram, you see all the, you know, I get trapped too. You know, oh, yeah. like all the brands you follow. Um, I think you can kind of create your own bubble of good in a way and follow like, you know, the vegans and the climate warriors and uh, you know the the leaders of 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 these various movements and instead of you know seeing what's new at uh the gap or old navy or whatnot you can uh you know see five ways to make your kitchen zero waste or whatever yeah you know? yeah totally you know and it can be fun like yeah. every, everything can you can put a fun to it especially with kids you know you can make these like fun challenges and when the kids get excited like it kind of like is cyclic you get excited off their excitement and yeah yeah all right, should we land it there? What else we got? Is that it? I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like that's a lot. I mean, this this is a conversation that will will you know permeate all other many conversations. And yeah, if we if we touch on like ethics, right, of of plant based eating, I think uh, factors back in as well, um, which we, we scratched the surface of today. But yeah, I think uh, let's land it there. Yeah, we didn't get into food waste, but um, you know, that's one too. 
We'll save that for another combo. Yeah, when we have a when we have a, a vetted climate scientist with us, an expert, it'll happen. All well, right. Um, well, whatever whatever it is, uh, you can take away from this podcast, this episode. Uh, I'll speak for you, Zach, as well. We both really hope that uh, there was elements of hope, and there were some practical takeaways some things that you learned maybe like we learned a lot, even in just like prepping and researching a little bit for this. Um, so hopefully, uh, in a world where it feels like climate can be doom, we hope that you've, you feel hopeful and that uh, you feel empowered to, to make some small changes in your own life that can, can do good in the world and can help uh, stem the tide of climate change that we're all living in. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you have habits or, or ideas that you think uh, can contribute uh, to, you know, positive climate changes, uh, you know, send us a message. We'd love to, to talk about it more. Um, I think, you know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is inspiring and exciting. And the more we learn and educate ourselves and continue to be students, the more that uh, scary, daunting, doom-like things can become you know, plausible, uh, exciting, you know, possibilities. So I think let's find, let's find the education, let's find the positivities and let's follow those paths because, you know, giving up is not exciting. It's not, uh, inspiring. Um, you know, let's follow the path of hope and possibility and see where it leads us. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the best we can do. So yeah, thank you for for tuning in and sharing this conversation with us. I hope that it can continue into, you know, the the conversations that you have with your friends and your family and your loved ones. And we'd love to hear back from you. And uh, this is a conversation that we'll continue to have amongst ourselves and hopefully with some some experts as well. Um, so yeah, um, stay tuned for future episodes. And as always, be sure to like subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts it makes a big difference for us and being able to share uh these messages um what else dean you got any closing closing remarks i would just say get out there and keep doing what you're doing unless you're doing hot laundry switch to cold (laughs) right on everyone thanks for tuning in we appreciate your your attention. We appreciate you being with us. All the best. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. 
Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable splash refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.